salutations, greetings, and welcome to it. This one, Harry was home. A live boot podcast presentation. I'm your host, True Story. Thank you for joining us for this episode 18, where we have a delve into what's going on around Arsenal and have a look at it from a fan's point of view, you know. Um, I pray you're staying safe. I pray you're staying well, staying sanitized and all that, you know. Keep praying. We make it through, you know. We keep we keep pushing. <laughs> Take it one day at a time. I think for our team as well, it's a, a redemptive period, you know. It's, we had a good run of form coming off from, was it since Boxing Day with Chelsea? And the last two games maybe haven't gone our way. And you're looking at a situation where we kind of need these against Aston Villa, you know. We need a positive result. We need a positive performance as well. You know, we played pretty well first half of the last game against how my mind all over the place. So we played first half very well against Wolves, you know, and then we had the two red cards, went down to nine men. That was hard to come back from. So we just run it back all the way from the top since the last time we spoke. Um, it was the Man United game. For me personally, coming into that game, I was rather confident knowing that we'd beaten Man United before and we in good form against Man United as well. So there wasn't much reason to fear them as much as maybe, pardon that, we, we maybe would have before, you know, thinking we've come up against Man United under under Arteta. We've had good form against them. They've been coached by Ole and they've been doing well since we, we last beat them. So it was a nice barometer game for us to look at ourselves from where we were then and where we are now. So we still have a long ways to go. And one of the things that maybe stuck out quickly in that game was the fact that injuries were an issue, you know, for us, especially knowing we're gauging ourselves from the start of the season to now in, in juxtaposition to where we've been in previous seasons as well and saying, you know, sometimes we haven't been where we should have been because our squad depth wasn't there, you know. And right now we have the fatigue and the fixture congestion becoming an issue. We're not making excuses. These are realities. You know, we have a new trading regime. We have new trainers in the club. And so we can't just look at it at face level and think, okay, injury issues, same old Arsenal. No more injury issues as a result of us trying to be a better Arsenal. And we have to balance certain things that if we do have more quality in our depth, then maybe it doesn't it doesn't show as much in the drop-off when we have players that are out for a game or two, right, for whatever reason. Another thing I took away from the Man United game, but for me personally, is that we still three or four transfer windows. I say for me three, counting this transfer window we've, we're done with, that would be the fourth one. So we're still three transfer windows away from where we ought to be as a football club. You know, what Miguel could build in the squad, what Edu can do, what what we can actually build overall, you know, because you're looking at it across the board, saying the goalkeeper situation, at the very least, the backup goalkeeper situation has to be resolved within the next one transfer window, at the very least. At right back, you also need to make sure you work that out. No, okay, Ainsley's gone out on loan. Cedric Suarez is a nice backup, but he's, what, 31 years old? Is that a long-term solution? Is Hector your number one, you know? So we have to resolve that situation long-term, right? Send it back as well. We re-signed Rob Holding on a long-term contract. We don't know what's going to be the situation with William Saliba, so by the end of the transfer window that's coming up we need to have resolved that if Saliba's not coming back to play get somebody who can compete with Rob Holding or maybe make sure that Rob Holding becomes a number two in that position then the drop off won't be that high because we've seen that Rob Holding can actually play in the Premier League right so it's things like that to look at it left back I think we, we've all ascertained that we need a backup for Kieran Tierney he's having to carry too much of the workload to the point now he's injured and even if you say it means that now Maitland Niles and Cedric Suarez can cover there they're not naturally left footed and it creates a different balance within the squad when maybe you don't have a left side of center back because we had the issue now when Gabriel was out and Marie was out and Luis comes back then you don't have a left foot on the back line 
there are issues like that where we're trying to go in certain direction. We need to make sure that we, we guard for these other things, you know. Defensive midfield, I still think we need a backup for Thomas Partey. I like more on any, but long term, we see when Partey was out, he's not the level. He can play with Partey because Partey can compensate for him. But if Partey is out, then who compensates for more if more was starting next to Xhaka? It's a very one-dimensional midfield, if we can say. A deep-line playmaker as well, we have that issue where we're sitting saying, we like Xhaka. Who, who does Xhaka play next to, you know? Long-term, who does Xhaka play next to? So we have to resolve that, you know? Central attacking midfield, we've identified Emil Smith-Rowe as our number 10 for the future. We need to now start developing around, maybe getting a backup or somebody to compete with him in that position. Odegaard as a signing for just six months was great, but that type of profile, you know, we can grow from there. Then work out the centre-forward issue, you know, where if Uber's not going to play down the middle, then get us another backup centre-forward whose levels, you know, work out the Nketiah situation on loan maybe at the end of the season. Balogun, if we're not re-signing, we're losing a play in that regard. So we have to go get another goal scorer who can actually be there for the next five to six, seven years, right? Aside from that, it it, it, it further lose <laughs> that further. <laughs> yeah, that allows me to further know that Mikel needs more time, you know, because you're looking at that situation saying he's done so well. You know, to get to where we are right now, Mikel has done so well to continue building with the pieces that he inherited, you know, and to, to take to take the care to say, okay, these are the players that I can build with long through long term. You know, he tried with certain players. He tried with the Mustafis. You know, it was like he, he, he got something out of El Nini that we never thought we had. So there was so much more that he's done with the personnel he has that he's at least earned himself the grace period to maybe work with what he would like to work with down the line, which means that we have to move on from certain players. This transfer window was so good in the sense that we moved on from a couple of players that weren't in his long-term vision. Now we can start to build with players that are in Mikhail's long-term vision. And in the long term, we'll start to be able to look back at a game like that against United and actually have comfortably beaten United. Because in this game, we should have beaten Man United, you know. And dropping points for me personally is an issue where this season, yes, it's a, it's a rebuild season. Yet it's also, impart- it's also important to understand that in this rebuild season, there's some, there's some key points and some key performance indexes that we had to hit, right? And one of those for me personally was making sure that we're back in European competition and the performances as well you know the results wasn't the thing we're going to always look at you know it wasn't just going to be a blanket thing just look at the score and look at the stats you know it was about the performances right and in some games the performances aren't there and in certain games the performances aren't there with the result being there against man united it felt like it was one of those games where the performance wasn't all the way up to levels like super levels yet we played well enough to have gotten the results at that game a positive result a draw some may argue is a positive result We'll say we should have beaten a team like that because that would do so much more for the lo- for the dressing room and would do so much more for the morale of the team, right? So it's one of those things where my last takeaway from that game was at the very least the big match temperament has returned, you know, and it's building, you know, to the point where over time we can see this team be able to go into these big games confident of getting the positive result that they need to get and also go into the quote-unquote smaller games and still get the result knowing that there's no such thing as a small game anymore for us, right? We are a big team. You know, so if there's a team we look at as a big team that we have to perform against, it's going to be teams that look at us as a big team that they have to perform against. So there is no off night for us, you know. We have to perform every single game. But at the end of the day, it's three games unbeaten against Man United, which I feel is a good is a good indicator of where we're going, you know. Because they, they're moving pretty well right now. Yes, they're not as consistent as they, they maybe ought to be. But if you look at what they've spent on their squad, and you look at what we've invested on our squad, 
right? And how many managers has taken them for them to return to this level post Ferguson leaving or Sir Alex Ferguson, let us be respectful. Then you look at what happened for us post uh, for post Wenger leaving. You're saying, okay, we've been through what now? This is our third manager. If you count Freddie's interim reign. Okay, we've been through a couple transfer windows. We've recycled the squad, start to replenish the squad and redefine the squad in a different in a different mold. Okay, let's see where we can go from there, you know. And the Wolves game was more <laughs> for me. At, at, it was one of those games where if, when I just looked at it at the face level at first, you know, I'm just like, okay, surface level, this is a shite performance, a shite result, and this is not where we're trying to go. Yet when you start to unpack the game against Wolves, you start to realize that. The first half performance is probably one of our best performances under Arteta, which is a lot to say, right? Because we've won two cups under Mandem. We've beaten Man United three times. We're undefeated, rather, against Man United. We've beaten City. We've beaten Liverpool. We've beaten Chelsea. And yet this first half performance against Wolves is probably our best performance in totality, just identity-wise, what we wanted to do, the high pressing, the creation of chances, like from minute one we're creating chances. We were being adventurous with our passing. It wasn't just lateral, sideways, sideways, backwards. No, no, no. We can play a long ball forward. We can break them with a diagonal pass, right? It's, it's nice to see that, you know, and it's encouraging to see that because over time, we will get to where we ought to be, you know. So my takeaways from that 2-1 loss against Wolves were... Team selection already was a bit of an issue for us coming into the game, thinking David Luiz had to start in the manager's mind because Gabriel hadn't come back from his COVID issues with a good performance against Southampton. It hasn't it hasn't clicked over for him yet. Yet you're looking at that game saying that was a perfect game for him to get his his feet under him, you know? And I'm a bit more concerned about how Miguel is approaching the management of certain players. With certain players, especially players who are coming into English football, I feel, or British football. He's more circumspect and more more conscious about how he treats them, and I respect that, yet in the same breath, I feel it's starting to show that, you know, a Kieran Tierney comes in from Scotland, and he's playing almost every single game, even when he's not fully fit, yet a Gabriel, he'll, he'll be not fully fit, he won't get a look in, and then he'll be fit enough to get a look in, you'll say, okay, your form is not there yet, he's got form from the past 10 games that he had played before he went out that justifies him starting and i know the manager saying okay the best players will start and the players who are in form will start i say okay i understand if pablo marie was starting ahead of gabriel then but pablo marie who had come in and deputized for him is out now which means gabriel should come back and on the, in the sake of balancing the squad from a left-footed center-back position with a left-footed right, right-footed center-back position and that balance of distributing the ball forward I always thought that's what Mikael wanted to do. So I was very disappointed in him starting Luis ahead of Gabriel. And it hurt to see Luis get that red card in a situation where this is one of the first times you can never get blame David Luis for that red card. And we'll get into it, I guess, a little bit later on. But it's a situation you're feeling he shouldn't have been in that position either. Gaffer shouldn't have put him in that position either. You should understand with the team selection, the injuries we've had, he made the best call he could have made on the day. It didn't work out for us. We'll take that on the chain. You know, Karen Tierney was out and... With Ainsley met and Niles loaned out, we had to play Cedric Suarez at left back, you know. And it's one of those things where for one game, 60 minutes, 45 minutes, it's okay to have Cedric as the backup left back, as you call it, the utility fail-safe left back. But if you have to start a run of three games with him there, that's not the best look for us, bro. We can He's he's performed well enough, yes, yet now there's also no pressure on Hector to perform on the right side because now Hector knows, bro, who's going to come in for me now? Because Cedric is his actual backup. Ainsley's out on loan. KT's injured. We don't have a backup, you know. What Sayad was sold. It's cool. We had to do that business, you know. The Ainsley loan, the Sayad sales slash loan. We had to do that. Yet we didn't do the business to replace that. 
And again, like I started by saying as well, I put my hand up and said it was a good transfer window. Well, we have to take one point off us and you didn't replace the left back situation. And you didn't really fix the backup goalkeeper situation because you signed an injured goalkeeper knowing that it meant Runison would have to stay. So basically you just demoted Runison from second to third when we thought he was going to go out and you'd promote Ato Kong or Kyle Hine to the third goalkeeper position. So I'd rather in a game like this when Matt Ryan is out and Leno's out, one of our young goalkeepers is going to come in instead of us having to watch Runison at age 25, 26 where we know there's not too much upside in this right here, bro. So it's those little issues that are starting to vex me personally that it's making it hard sometimes to give Mikael the leeway that I personally give him, but I don't want to complain too much and say I understand. So I I thought it through and said, okay, let's explain in, in totality how I see it and how maybe other fans may not be seeing it. That, okay, sometimes he could be doing better, but this is the situation he has to work with. So we have to understand the VAR decisions uh, at the very least for me, the David Luiz, I and mean, we can talk about the, the, the ruled-out goal for Bukayo and all that, but the David Luiz call, that was a terrible decision. We've had these conversations of how the standard of English referees is nowhere near the actual playing standard of English football. You know, and across the board, it's actual, uh, it's, it's a valid thing to say the standard of English football far supersedes the actual standard of English football, as in the playing standard is so great, yet the refereeing is so terrible. The coverage from the media is so terrible. There was no accountability where, to the point where I understand it's Arsenal. Y'all don't really like Arsenal. We understand it's okay. Some of you are just closet Arsenal fans. You can't admit you're Arsenal fans because Arsenal suck right now. It's okay. We get it. Yet in the same breath, it does not mean that you can justify terrible calls you can, you can use terrible calls to justify why Arsenal are terrible. You know what I'm saying? The first half of that game was brilliant. Referee made some very terrible calls, and you're sitting there saying, okay, then you get to see the other side of Arsenal that they rightfully get on us for where we, we start to have issues like Leno bottling it, the handball outside the area, second rear card, you down a nine man. It's going to be hard to get anything out of any game, and we had a chance to win it late on, yet you're thinking that decision cost us. You know, so does the bad call. It hurts to see no accountability, knowing that for us, we appealed the decision and there wasn't even a thing of, okay, we'll rescind that. Because that means if they rescind the red card, they have to hold the, the referee accountable. That's not English football. That's not English football mentality to have accountability. We get it. So win some, lose some, bro. It hurts to see us in the situation, knowing there was a time when, at the very least, we always knew they didn't respect us as a fo they, they, didn't, they didn't always give us the calls they wanted to give us, yet they respected us to not do us dirty. Right now, it sucks because we're not as good as we should be, so they've been doing us dirty for a while. Even at the back end of the Wenger years, we'll talk about that. We weren't good enough, and sometimes we wouldn't get the calls. Yet you saw what happened for Liverpool. There was a time when, in the Rafa Benitez years, they weren't getting some decisions that they were supposed to be getting, yet it turns around towards the end of the Brendan Rodgers years. Klopp comes in, and they start to get calls sometimes they shouldn't have got. You know what I'm saying? It goes it goes like that so we win some lose some you know we take that like we said though the first half performance was an excellent sign of where we're going it was rather indicative of how Mikel wants us to play down the line and if we can maintain that and cut out the mistakes and cut out maybe the room for error the margin for error that we do leave to the referees we always say this I mean the good coach that raised us is that sometimes you must understand that certain teams you play for certain certain players that you are we were taught that from a young age that don't expect the referees to do any favors you know what I'm saying the referee is coming in not to do any favors so you come in and make sure that you don't leave it out to the referee to save you you know, if it's a penalty and they kick your ass go down, don't stay on your feet and hope that the referee saves you. And we knew that from a young age. Not that you take a dive or nothing, but you understand 
ref ain't gonna give me this decision unless I show that I was hurt, you know? And that's the reality. So for us as well, that situation where David Luiz would normally say, stay on your feet, don't go down. Man stayed on his feet, didn't go down. We say, don't make a challenge, didn't make a challenge. Player still goes, and then ref gives him a red So it's like, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's tough to see. It sucks to see it. Yeah, that's that's how that's how it comes, man. He'll give you those great performances, David Luiz, and then he'll also give you a situation where sometimes because of his history as well, the referees will just do stuff like that. That's what it is, man. Coupled with the fact that he's playing for Arsenal right now, <laughs> it's crazy, crazy. So yeah, um, the last takeaway from that game for me personally was that it's gonna take time. You know, it's really going to take time. It's really going to be a process because you can see that in an ideal winning situation, we don't have to rely on a David Luiz there. You know, we have a little bit more quality within the squad. We have a little bit more respect within the officiating caucus to get certain decisions go our way and such, right? So it's going to take time, and we have to we have to earn our stripes. You know, we, we lost a lot of respect due to what we did as a football club, so we have to earn our respect back, you know. you got to earn your respect, Rodney Dangerfield. So that's what it is. I think that actually segues us nicely into the Aston Villa preview, saying they beat us last time. It was tough to lose 3-0 to Aston Villa. And that shit ain't happening again. Like, let's just put that on record because that result shouldn't have happened before, yet it happened for us to be able to learn. It happened for us. It happened for us. Now, this win has to happen for us, you know. So coming into this game against Dean Dean Smith's men, pardon me, they're ninth, we tenth. We have a chance to go ahead of them. It's the 197th game between Aston Villa and Arsenal, dating all the way back to October 8th, 1904 where we beat them 1-0 in the first fixture. Since then, we've won 82 other games, drawn 45 and lost 68 against Aston Villa. And they've been a good side. I mean, Aston Villa was a time when they were one of the best sides in world football, so we respect them. And I'm a big fan of Villa as well as a result of that. I like pedigreed sides, bro. I'm just one of those people where, like, their history and having that, you know, especially knowing that they've had that history and then had the fall from grace that they had, and yet they're still fighting to get back to a semblance of respectability, bro. you got to respect that, so... Our last two games against them haven't gone so well. <laughs> we lost 1-0 away and 3-0 at home against them last year. Not not the best results, and we really do need to turn it around, especially knowing that the 3-0 result was this season, although it was last year. It was the season, so they're not getting a double against us. So we're going to need to put in a performance, and I feel knowing that they have some danger. I mean, I, I've heard that maybe Ross Barkley may not be available for this game yet. That maybe even just strengthens their resolve. You know, they can actually just play Grealish down the middle and go with the runners out wide and just really go crazy. So it's, we're going to have to be cautious of, of what they what they offer threat-wise. You know, they lost five games. It's literally they alternate a, a loss with a win, a loss with a win with a loss. So they basically do a win <laughs> to, on their form. You know, that's six points out of a possible 15 for them. Our last five games have been a loss with a draw, two wins and a draw. So we do a win as well, knowing that... We can't go three games without a win after the good run of form we've had. Knowing we picked up eight points out of 15. Our average is about 10 out of 15 for the last couple of games. Now we've dropped it, you know, with the draw and the loss. we got to pick it right back up. So we're expecting a, a confident performance from Arsenal. We're expecting a win as well. Like we said, we could leave, leave from Villa into ninth and literally just be six points off of Liverpool in fourth, which is rather interesting because you realize the season is far from over. You know, like after this game, we have about, what, 16 league games left. There's a lot to play for, bro, and with teams fighting for for a lot more than just the league in, in certain regards. And for some of them, it's it's uncharted territory being in the top seven, top eight, and 
it's one of those things where it will open up even more. So we just have to keep our head done, keep work, keep our head down, keep working, and just keep trying to get these results. You know, we've dropped a couple points. We've, lo- we've left a lot on the table this season, and it's okay if we keep growing, as long as we keep growing and keep learning from that. You know, we can't just be making the same mistakes, expecting things to change. So coming into this game, as we said, Burnt Leno, David Luiz are suspended. Matt Ryan, Kieran Tierney, and Pablo Marie are doubtful. So it puts us it puts us a couple key players down in regards to that. You Knowing if your number one goalkeeper's out and your number two goalkeeper's out, that's tough. Your backup center backs out, your starting left backs out, and one of your other backup left back I mean left center backs are out. It's, it's a bit tough. So yeah, Mikael's gonna have to do little Tinkerman vibes just a little bit to make sure that we have everything we need. You know, a couple couple nice little changes. I feel it's gonna be more on the bench for me personally. It's also a nice opportunity to see some younger players come into the squad for this game where I feel we could use that in the next coming, you know, games just to, to shuffle the pack just a little bit, you know, especially when we've got Benfica coming up next week. So it'll be key just to see us just shuffle up just a little bit, have some young players to to energize the squad. We saw what happened when Emil Smith-Rowe and Bukaya Saka and Martinelli started to get more games. We started to pick up our form. The energy started to pick up. And I, what, I, what I think for me personally is just the, the thing with the young players are more receptive to Mikel's tactics because Mikel's tactics are more modern. And for, so, for some older players, it's harder to be receptive to. I have to press, but we're not getting the result, coach. So if I'm having to press and run my ass off every single game, but we're not winning games, I'm not getting goals, I'm not getting chances, what, is that, what does that behoove me to keep running? Yet a young player will understand, at the very least, if we are pressing, even if my passes aren't accurate, my shots aren't falling for me, at the very least, I'm, I'm putting in that level of performance that will give us a chance to win this game based off our tactics, you know, so... I think that's what the young players really do bring to the table, and we need to start tapping into that a little bit more. So my predicted lineup, you know, gets the lineup for this game. Unfortunately, it's tough to say this for me. So I'm, I'm putting full faith in him to actually put in a performance. Alex Runison, please don't let us down, bro. But it would be so beautiful to see an Arthur Gongo or Carl Hine get this game, bro. I don't think Mikel understands the, the power of what our young players have right now. Where When you're in a rebuild phase, bro, the more opportunity you give to these young players the more incentivized they are to take that chance you know sometimes when they're in a winning situation the team knows we are full of internationals guys who are in the peak of their precipice you know it's one of those things where they maybe feel at 16 17 18 19 years old i may not get a regular run in the squad because you guys are going to want to go replace me with a guy who is 25 26 27 who's playing at the best of his of his natural ability right now you know Yet, when you're in a situation where these guys know, they've, they've seen a guy like Mesut Uzzel leave and be replaced by Mule Smith Rowe, a Hayland Academy graduate, they can see that, okay, Brent Leno is a good goalkeeper, yet there's small things, mistakes that he's making, you know, and you guys have struggled to go get a keeper to replace him. Maybe we can replace that in-house. You have a young Estonian number one. You have a young England youth international who's highly touted at the Gonko and Karl Hein. Let's push those kids, you know. So to see Runison start this game, Lord forbid anything goes wrong, you know the chatter. You know what they're going to say. Y'all only signed him because the goalkeeper coach recommended him. That's not the type of football club we are, bro. So I really don't like that it doesn't sit well with me personally. And I'm praying it works out for him so that we don't have to talk about those things too much. We can just focus on the performances however we get those. Because the distribution is what he's there for. So let's pray in this game we'll see better distribution from the back and we can actually dominate the game, you know. Hector Bellerin is due to start because we ain't got too many options in that regard. He's performed a bit better over the past couple of games. You feel maybe he's a bit gassed and it's tough to see that we don't have too much in the way of backup for him. You know, Callum Chambers is probably going to be the only other guy available to play in that position on the bench, so it's going to be tough. But that's how it goes. You know, we keep rolling. 
Rob Holding at right center back. He's been very good of late. And I think with all the shuffling that's happening around him, next to him, you know, even on the right side, sometimes Suarez is starting games in goals, you know. He's actually performed very well, and it's one of those things we're going to have to look at at the end of the season and say he may be the right centre-back for us down the line. He's 25 years old. The performances he's given this season, if you just close your eyes and said, we got a right centre-back last season, you don't know his name, and these are the numbers, and you gave those numbers and those performances, you'd say, okay, well, he's... He's, he's projecting to be a very good player for us. You know, if, those were Will, if that was William Saliba's performances over the past season and a half, we'd say, yeah, bro, that's a player for us, right? So, hey, man, shout out to Rob Holders, bro. Um, Gabriel Magalas, I feel, should start now because Pablo Marie's out, or doubtful, rather. David Luiz is definitely out. And Gabriel needs to reaffirm his place in the squad, you know, for me, because he is our best central defender out of all of them, you know, and I think he needs to start to reaffirm that. The whole COVID issue had him out for a while and came back, the own goal against Southampton, dented his reputation a bit. I'd like to see him come back in there, solid performance, Lord willing, even a goal, and that changes everything, you know. Cedric Suarez at left back. Again, I said I love Cedric Suarez. I just feel the long-term scope is not there for us, but right now in the short-term, the six months that he's here, next 12 months that he's here, he gives us everything he can give us. I appreciate that in the player, bro, and more more to him, more light to him, bro. Thomas Partey starting in midfield for me with Granit Xhaka. I like that combination, you know, the double pivot. They're growing to understand each other as well and knowing what to compensate for the other one and how the other one can be best you know, exhibited in their skills, if I can help him do that, if I can play him the past day, if I can cover his, you know, his face this way, and then I can, we can help each other out a lot more, and you're seeing that in there, where Thomas Partey is starting to boss a lot of games, yet Granit Xhaka will get the plotus, because Partey's not at full fitness, yet everything he does is central to what allows Xhaka to shine now, you know, and it's beautiful to see Ditto for Emil Smith-Rowe, I like to see that three, that trio actually start to grow as well, because there's a lot of creativity, and if you just don't realize, you can unlock so much, like they each have a part of their game that we haven't tapped into yet, you know, in Partey, in Jacques, in smith throw. So o- across the board in that trio, we could actually find something pretty special, you know. Bukayo Saka outright. Our talisman, we're praying for poly- positive performance. It's been tough for him of late, you know, knowing that, again, the team shuffles around a lot. And, yeah, man, he's he's been over-relied on, you know. And it's okay because he is a star player and he's growing to understand what his role is as well so it's beautiful to see that he's got broad enough shoulders to carry that and know hey i gotta score the goals i gotta create the goals i gotta still press i gotta lead i still have to be an example you know and i like to see that nico pepe of late has been a revelation as well what is that three three goals in his last three games he has to start you know i understand uber's back but nico's in form and his play off the ball has been amazing he pressed as well you know stuff that we we maybe would be overlooking because of his performances before you know now we can actually have time to look into detail and say wow this is the distance nico has covered these are the recoveries nico has made look at that this is the space that nico closes off when we press him wow we like to see that and he can still give us goals the creative outlet you know the threat on the left side especially knowing that we don't have a natural left-footed outlet there with cedric Suarez playing that side that's dope to see bro um, Dre, like I said, for me, has to start down the middle because he leads that line so well with maturity as well. We'd love to see him get back in the goals again. You know, it's a little quiet, little spell for a game and a half. It means it's still nice to say these days it's a quiet spell for a game and a half instead of a quiet spell for like 10 games. But it's good to see because when he scores goals, he plays even better, you know, and the team plays better around him. 
I like to see Arthur Gong go on the bench with Callan Chambers, Miguel Aziz, Joel Lopez is covering those defensive positions because we don't have too much depth in the way of that because we have the injuries there. And don't rush the guys back. If Terry's not if Terry's not fit enough to stay, if any of them aren't fit enough to start, don't put them on the bench. You know, that's just how I feel these days. Because then you start to risk players and bring them back in. And then we have something happen in the game early, but you can't bring him in. And then the, everybody's watching the game saying, okay, if he's on the bench, we have a change that we can make in the 30th minute. Why don't you bring him in? And you say, no, the physio said he can only play 30 minutes. Okay, then you shouldn't have been on the bench for us because we might not need him for that 30 minutes. Rather give that experience to somebody else in that 30 minutes, right? And then you'll be fit for, for, for the next game. That's just how I feel right now, bro. <laughs> uh, more Nenny on the bench with Danny Ceballos covering the midfield pivot. Um, Martin Odegaard covering the 10 with Gabi Martinelli and Pierre Maruka Bumeyang as the forward backup options. I feel that gives us a strong enough squad to go into this game knowing we have to get revenge against Villa, you know, and we have to get redemption for those last two games. So a strong squad, confident performances, and we take it from there, you know. I'm calling a 2-1, a <laughs> 2-1 Arsenal win. We're praying for it, too. It's not just calling it like, hey, get those coach, like speak it into existence, you know, positive manifestation. So that's where we at with it, man. Thank you for joining us on these, coach. We pray you enjoy the game. It's an earlier kickoff, 2.30 Central African time. You know, it's just one of those games, man, where it's like, rather we get, get our revenge and then we recruit for the next game, man. So we'll touch base with y'all after these and then, see where we go from there otherwise as it has been when Havri was home a loud boot podcast presentation i'm your host true story please like subscribe rate and review us on all dsps where you consume your digital media content let us know your vibes you know let us know your score predictions for the game as well and whatever else whatever other thoughts you have regarding the team you know what your team selection would have been for this game as well because it's one of those things where there's not too much you can do aside from the goalkeeper position i personally would go with one of the younger goalkeepers personally just to give them that experience saying hey you know what we have a strong enough squad out there that i'm not exposing you like that and they're good enough to play they're good enough to play you know the kids have proven that much this season that a lot of them are more than good enough to play they just need more game time if anything that's why we loaned out joe Willock. that's why we loaned out ainsley maintenance niles and it would be nice to see a couple more of the other kids get more game time. I know it's a bit competitive in the in the more attacking play in the more attacking places, but defensively starting to open up a bit more. So to see a Joel Lopez get a little run out, you know, or even just be on the bench for Miguel Aziz, that would be great for their confidence, you know. For Martin Odegaard, I think it would be nice for him to get a little thirty minute run out, you know, if once the game is won, Lord winning, we can actually rest, you know, Emil Smith Rowe, rest the Bukayo Saka as well, you know, give Gavi Martinelli thirty minutes. Ditto for Lacazette if we can get 30 minutes for for Aubameyang as well, you know, with the game won. That would be great for us because then we can build up and then go again, you know. So, redemption time. We pray you enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us when Harvey was home. As always, come on, you goodness. <laughs> Peace.